Hello, and welcome back to Beginner's Basics to Dungeons and Dragons. My name is Evan Kaufman, and I will be your Dungeon Master for this session. In this show, we're focused on helping newcomer players and Dungeon Masters get into the very basics of 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons. Now, last week we made a character together, which was exciting. So, as the last episode was really focused on helping players, I figured that we would try to balance things out this week with an episode about DMing. Specifically, I wanted to talk about how do we, as Dungeon Masters, go about running our games, starting our stories, and making sure everyone feels included, etc, etc. But, I wanted to get more than just my perspective on things, which is why, today, I brought in the friend of mine, who has just wrapped up the first quote-unquote arc of a different game he's running for us, and who's preparing to start up a personally created D&D story for us here in a few weeks. Now, in the past, I've introduced his character as Vol, the mighty Goliath, but most days I just call him my fraternity brother, Kanet Prack. Kanet, welcome, man. Thanks. Uh, so why don't you start off by telling my audience a little bit about yourself and what your experience with D&D is. You've been running games just a little while longer than I have, right? Yeah, I have ran, like, a couple games, stuff that are online and a little bit of those sort. And when it comes to that, myself, I didn't want, like, had an interest in D&D in the first place when I started off freshman year. And going along those lines, when I heard about it from another friend of ours, Andrew, through him, I decided, like, hey, let might as well try. From then on, I just went through and just go along the coast and see how it's like playing as a character. And then along those lines, I saw the reviews of DMing by watching some other YouTube channels and whatnot and just started thinking, hey, maybe I should try doing this too. And then it blasted off from there. It was pretty much the exact same way for me too. I was I was really like enamored with the way that Andrew told his story. Yeah. So that was kind of what got me to like, hey, maybe I could do that too. That looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. So... You know, moving on more to like the meat of things, let's get into some questions, right? Yeah, let's go ahead. So, question one. How do you prepare to run a session of D&D? And where do you recommend a newcomer to start at? With running a session, I guess it's just mostly pulling off references from different like channels to being in a session yourself. So, again, like I said in the beginning, I wasn't really into going to doing DMing or playing D&D. And... What I from there, what I wanted to do, end up doing was that after experiencing all this stuff, I decided, hey, why not just go ahead and start trying to DM? So I started watching videos. I can't remember what the channel was called, but I think Mad Mercer like acted out as a DM, and then from there, I just watched skits of that happening, and that got me interested. And then watching stuff, watching like certain TV shows to playing video games, kind of brought inspiration through that. And it's just more of just the references that came up when starting out. That's just. That's what I would recommend. Just draw inspiration. See if you wanted to do it. It's more like, for me, it was a gut feeling. Hey, I want to do this. It was an impulse. Instead of like, I might as well do it. Kind of thought process. Yeah, I understand that too. Matt Mercer, Matthew, laminated location and encounter notes. Mercer was (laughs) kind of my inspiration as well. I've joked about him, I think, in my first episode. So, yeah, like I said... um, Typically, when I prepare to run a session of D&D, I do it all within like a week. So I'll plan out like encounters and locations. What I really like to do is I like to focus on your guys' backstory a little bit. And I'm trying to give like little hooks for everyone because I want everyone to feel like involved, like they have a little bit of a stake in the story, even though things may not seem too threatening right now. I'm getting to that. Yeah, when it comes for me, when I prepare a session... I, it's more of like how can I make one story connect to another and how do I make it 
a twist? How do I make something that players would expect become a little bit unexpected? So like D&D, when it comes to that, it's a lot. Why I enjoy most is the random encounters, and I want to make things not too random, but yet random enough that's more of a surprise. For example, in our last arc that I DM that I DM'd, I brought in a little bit of like another books like background feel into Deadlands, which I reference a lot throughout all of it, which I can't disclose here due to certain things. Oh uh, yeah, and uh, just kind of like a little disclaimer right here: Deadlands is a little bit different than D and D. It's uh, more of like a cowboy science fiction oriented like thing. So if this is uh, if Dungeons and Dragons is like Lord of the Rings, then this is like Red Dead Redemption Two meets Star Wars kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And when it also comes to preparing, I just jot down random notes and targets of like here's what I'm going to do, but I don't plan anything out fully until the week of. And also listen to music, certain like music is one that helps formulate what do I want out of a battle, for example. And what do I want out of, like, an area where players want to rest at to other aspects of the world? <clears throat> Dark Souls music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely doesn't. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, question two. How much world building do you normally like to do? Uh, that includes building up atmosphere of your world as well as developing groups and nations for the party to interact with. With world building, it just depends on how much I want to put into it. For example, this upcoming one that I'm planning to make, I'm putting a lot of thought into it, like the type of world, how am I connect things together and whatnot. And it just all lays down to the fact of like, what do I want to vision as an end goal and what do I want to have players at like a counter for like to split people up or to have them fight against one another or to fight against other enemies as well. Within worlds, I want to make sure that each one doesn't seem too out of place, but not so familiar. Like something that's that's like you can envision your head as something magical, in a way. Right. That's kind of like a complicated area for me too. I I struggle to like use like this looks like X Y and Z in the real world. Like I think uh, Will's character he went to like one of the major major like political buildings in my last uh, in our last session that I DM'd. And I had no choice. I, I had like a clear picture of it in my mind and I could think of no better way to describe it than uh, it looks like the Roman Colosseum, right? Yeah. I could have said it was like a tall, like cylindrical building with many pillars and everything. But, you know, that when when you're like in the middle of in the thick of DMing, it's like your brain is already going like a million miles, miles a second. Yeah. Yeah. And. What I like to use that I sometimes would draw things out, but sometimes I don't finish it because time-wise, it just takes a lot of time to do it. So I usually just go on Google, for example, look up some examples of like places that would kind of be close to what I envisioned, which is why I recently have been doing so that I can give players like a look of like, this is how it would look like, this is what I would hope you envision. If not, that's fine. Yeah, you sent out that Google Doc, uh, Alicia, I think is the name of your world, and that I read through that entire thing, man. I gotta tell you, that all looks really cool. And uh, after we finish here, actually, I'm gonna talk to him a little bit about uh, getting my character actually into his session. It'll start here in two weeks, I think. So, yeah, it, it's it's cool to see you do that, man. I mean, I know that with my world, Soren Wind, I uh, <laughs> I kind of went crazy when I did that. Yeah. I I started formulating uh the world like towards the start of the coronavirus pandemic so 
I, my entire life got put on hold. I was watching the world crumble down around me and I just needed like an outlet. So I started like, okay, maybe I can do like some D&D next semester when we're all finally able to meet together. And so while this world was getting destroyed, while this world was going to shit, <laughs> I made, I made a completely fictional one, but that also comes with its drawbacks. I drew everything out beforehand and now I need to figure out like a story that I can fit in there. So it's less organic than like an, a different approach. Like I think what you're planning on doing. Like with, not gonna lie, all this didn't come up immediately on day one. It doesn't come up like instantly. It took me, cause it took me, I'm not gonna lie, it took me all the way since high school that I had this thought process going on. Cause I wanted to write a story, like a, like a novel, a light novel or just a book. But because I never wanted to put the effort into it and I didn't know how to do that stuff of like combining characters and making them together. Doing these sessions will kind of like help me formulate that because I would like to draw inspiration from those who I hang out with, from those who I play with, because they will pro most likely change the story to what I envision to something much more interesting than from just my point of view. And that's great. That's like, that's all of what D&D is about. It's just like, I like to think of it as like, okay, so I have this idea. Let's see if that works. Oh, no. One of the guys decided he was going to suicide bomb. <laughs> So, you know, let, let's improvise from there, and then it's like, oh, it's a whole, it's a whole can of worms. Yeah, especially when you, when not only when you're demon, when you're playing as a character, so you get to see both side, sides of the coin. Where <clears throat> as your demon, you're trying to improvise with the players, but the players always want to do something chaotic. For example, a friend of mine who's also a big of my fraternity, Devin, he DM'd the session, and I played this specific character uh. who is called redacted and he's like a two foot tall penguin and he's like a barbarian paladin hybrid he's a demon and that's not the end of his story he has other stories from other sessions as well so that's not his only story i will get i don't want to get down to it because it'll probably take let's say a day <laughs> or so of storytelling for this one like little demigod just to obliterate an entire universe you know i'll eventually run out of ideas for episodes of this we could you could like begin recording that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe i'll keep that offer in mind <laughs> i'll come knock on your door oh. hey hey i want i want to use your mic real quick <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah d Running a game is a little bit like taking care of a kid. Like, you're trying to keep them from sticking the forks into the electrical sockets, from drinking the bleach or whatever. But, I mean, they're things are not going to go to plan, and you need to be able to, like, improvise in spite of everything that you've built up before. Be ready for it to change at a moment's notice. So, I guess moving on from there, a lot of DMs like to prioritize one particular facet of the D&D experience. Be it the total creativity of creating a world and characters over time, focusing in on combat, telling a compelling story that leaves you on edge of, and w leaves you wanting for like an, the next session, excuse me, or just enabling good roleplay between players. Now, I, I think I already know the answer to this for you, Kanet, but um, what would you say is your biggest priority as a DM? What do you prioritize? For me, that is more of like a difficult question because I like to bring in a little bit of everything, but mainly... I like to focus on the boss fights, not gonna lie, I, I, like, I make a lot of homebrewed stuff. I don't usually follow the manual, I like to be a little bit more creative with my characters, a little more creative with the world, or a little more creative with the enemies that you face. Sometimes I bring in the more basic enemy just so then I don't want to immediately annihilate 
the entire team again <laughs> multiple I, times on different occasions yeah i wasn't joking earlier when i said uh, something 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 about like dark souls because he's flat out like told us in one of our sessions hey just so you guys know i this like boss battle that i made it's, it's it was inspired by uh, dark souls which kind of made me be like oh shit <laughs> uh and within that it's not just boss fights as well like I said, it's a little bit of everything. I like to prioritize, like I said, boss fights and fights in general. But I also like to prioritize the storytelling, especially with the last, the within the ending of the arc that I did with that, with the cowboy bebop, yada yada yada, Red Dead Redemption Deadlands entire arc. That ending is wasn't something that I had planned down until winter break. Yeah, that was moving on. Uh, sorry, I don't have anything I can really add to that. That's just a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> What is one major pitfall of DMing that you were not able to be aware of before you began running your game? In other words, have you any sage advice for people who are just getting getting started that only experience has been able to really give you? With the first session I ever did, I only viewed it as a one-shot. I was only going to do a one-time thing and see how I liked it. And so there wasn't a lot of planning going on. So I wouldn't say starting off, it would mostly be on the second session where I start picking up faults. For example, certain enemies would become a little too hard than others because I made this one character um, not relating to other things but I named him Braham the Iron Grail he was like Doomfist but with two big arms oh. and he would basically just he would he's a more close hand-to-hand -hand combat fighter and what ended up happening is that he ended up just damaging doing too much damage to the health of the of the players within the game the fault behind that I picked up was that I wasn't keeping track of the care of the players as much. So I mostly overpowered the boss than keeping aspects of the players. Which I soon try to think now after that, all that's done was that I'm going to need more information from the players so I can keep them onto base where they don't keep on dying. It's more on the fact that they should keep on getting close to death. Not exactly dead, but still be alive enough that they are able to finish the fight and get experience from it. And... That was something that I found was a pitfall of mine was that just making the fights a bit too hard. Because like I said, I probably took so much fights that I kind of go overboard on them sometimes. Or that that was like a really hard fight for us. That was, I think we started at like 7. Yeah. We started the combat at like 9. We had like 2 hours of just normally playing the game. But then we were up until like 1 in the morning <laughs> fighting this one guy. And I was just like, DIE! DIE! Die or kill me, please! <laughs> it doesn't help due to the fact that everybody's roles as well wasn't getting as high as I wanted to be. Because if I remember on his sheet that I made, it was only an AC of 16. Oh, his AC was only 16? <laughs> he was only 16. No one had really good roles. They were rolling below 10s. And I, I remember that no one put their stats into the combat aspect. And like I said, my brain is mostly, or my thought is mostly orientated onto the fighting. So I was like, no, this will be fine for them. They'll, they'll get hits. I'll lower his toughness down to four. And these are all the Deadlands aspects. So you can do some of that research later. Or you can look it up or ask questions on another time. Or they can come up with another, whatever this man plans. Yeah, for... For the uninitiated, uh, AC means armor class. I haven't done like an episode about like combat and... Uh, what that what that entails and like here in beginners, but yeah, armor class is just like the number that you need to roll at or above in order to hit somebody. So like for a rat or just a town guard, it would be like a ten, but for a dragon, say it would be like twenty five. 
Depending. It will be... Maybe let's... Yeah, probably 25. Sometimes it could be lower depending on your character's levels as well. Yeah, Which is that... what, again, the brought in the pitfall for me. Yeah, I... I, too, have had, like, difficulty with, like, combat encounters and everything, man. Because, like, we joke about it all the time, the people that were there, but... And I said, I said in one of my previous episodes, I have dragon stories to tell, man. <laughs> but, yeah, basically, I spent this entire, like, session building up to a fight with a young green dragon, Bossatras the Infinite. And I, like, did this whole big bad monologue for him. I built him up to be, like, this major threat... And what I didn't realize was I wanted this to be like a high-level uh, one-shot that we were doing, right? Yeah. So everyone was like level 15. The maximum level you can be in D&D is 20. So they were like up there. Most people like only play their characters until they get to like level 11 at very most. So, yeah, we had like four players who were level 15 and against a young green dragon. Basitras the Infinite died in less than two rounds. Because they put out like 80 damage per turn, every one of them. And I, I, I hadn't known like what that would be like, what that would entail. That was, oh my gosh. And I guess the other thing that, the other major pitfall that I've run into is like, I'm really insecure about like whether or not my game is interesting. Yeah. Because like I have the whole story in my head. I'm engaged with this because like this is my brainchild, but like... You know, how, how do I, like, help you draw in and be as excited about these things that I'm telling you as I am? And that I can agree with, too, because that's also something that I have struggled with as well. Because, again, you feel kind of like, as you're in the session, you don't know how to, like, approach the story to bring it out to players to make them engage. And I think one thing that would kind of help is thinking about everyone's personality within it as well as, not the play, not as the characters they're playing as, but also the players themselves, like, one person can be more emotionally attached to another character if you put too, a lot of effort into it. For example, one of um, Evan's games, it's I wasn't there for their one-shot, but he brought back two characters from their one-shot, and everyone got excited, and I'm the only one sitting like, who is this guy? And then like that kind of brought that kind of aspect is kind of like difficult to bring about when you don't keep in mind of the player's mentality as well. Yeah, I, I decided that I would bring back like a fan-favorite character from one of the games I ran. He was like this ancient stone robot, which, you know... Nudge, nudge, maybe that's going to do something interesting with, like, your Stonemancer character. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, don't be breaking my armor, please. <laughs> oh, no, 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 don't worry. Uh, yeah, but generally, I, I also like to think about it as, like, players care a lot about their characters. And, I mean, that's just natural. I mean, you care about your world because you made it. You want the story to go smoothly. In the same way, players made their characters, so they want everything that their character wants kind of deal. So what I've kind of found works is you put in little hooks for like other people's characters. So like, for example, in our last session, yeah. um, we, we have our one friend Taylor and she has this elf that she plays named Thea. Her story is she's runaway royalty. So I have, I have it in like good accord with her that her father, the king, is trying to send like trackers to find her down or to track her down and bring her back home she doesn't want that so like when when the trackers like finally caught up with her in the last session she was like really like oh oh come on guys we need to figure out a way out of here but don't kill them 
Don't injure them. <laughs> that, They're that... my people. Come on. Oh my gosh, dude, your character was like so brutal sometimes. <laughs> I, okay. I like to bring in, when it comes to D, not only DM, but making the character, I like to bring in like as much vivid detail as possible of like brutality to making sure that the that the players get the image in the head of what's going on. Within, the, I think, session three, yeah. what ended up happening was that a bunch of thieves came in and was gonna, was it, harm... What they, their primary goal was they were like trying to sneak into uh, your friend Fizz's room. And he had like this important uh, item that I don't think you guys actually know about in game yet. Not in game. Your, your characters don't know about it yet. You do. It's weird, kind of like crossplay. You need to think about what your characters know versus what you know. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, they were like trying to sneak in, and you just crucified these guys. <laughs> so with one of the enemies during the like, I think it was the second to last enemy. What ended up happening was that while one person was like, "Oh yeah, I just sliced him in half," I was like going to vivid videos like, "How did I end this person? How did I uh, just squeeze the life out?" So within the, what ended up happening was that. Okay, yes, Kanet, you did manage to hit his armor class, and with that, I think he's dead. Would you like to describe how Vol kills the last assassin? <laughs> so, Vol, what he would do is that he brings out his stone hammer. He the guy, he's on his knees, he pushes them, him down on the ground, grab his sword, and just impels him through his chest with his own sword. He would then grab his war hammer, and then smash it onto the hilt on the handle of the, of the sword, hammering down, stand, stand... Stabbing him Clung. right through the ground so he cannot move. He, his body would just Clung. be flailing. His arms would be clutching. He was screaming. Blood's going everywhere. And yeah. Not a lot of sunshine and rainbows. It's just... I have problems. <laughs> and then everyone else looked at you and was like... What's your alignment again? <laughs> uh, neutral good. Uh, I think it will have to be neutral evil soon. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Oh. So, all that being said, you know, I, I can't think of much else that we could, like, talk about, man. So, maybe let's try to close out on a more positive note, right? So, in spite of, like, everything, it's... DMing is like a major time sink and then it's a major like mental commitment when you're doing it like in the moment to moment. I'll do more of like a monologue centric like what does this entail? How should you like actually get started? Right now I'm just kind of shooting the crap with you. But the thing that you love most about being a dungeon master, the thing that maybe somebody who's on the fence about it, who's thinking about becoming a dungeon master, what 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 would you say what would be your like persuasion to them like hey you should give this a try so i could give two answer answer with that do you want more of the joke answer or do you want the more serious answer you know what let's get the joke answer and then you can like go more serious so my the joke an answer is this how sadistic are you as a person <laughs> how much do you want to see the players suffer well dming can be the type of job for you you can watch your players crawl on their knees as they're trying not to die against a boss or you can watch it being overrun by a bunch of enemies now that's just the joke but now all seriousness aside they didn't even know that was not as funny as i thought it was going to be it was all funny in my head like i said i have problems but in all actuality when it comes to dm it's more like it's more of 
how much of imagination do you have in your head and how much you want to like puke that out on paper and pick up those small pieces to form what you want to form and when it comes to making the world and everything it seems like a daunting task but like if you put some time and just like a little bit of time even if like as a study break i i will guarantee that you will probably enjoy it a lot more as soon as it's in play because it's just the people that you play with will make it a lot better you can't just like say oh yeah i'll just do this on my own it's more like what can the players do to make this interesting and how would they play it out now make me smile at the end of the day and what could i do to make that smile because that's what all that matters in the end for me as a dm was is that everyone enjoyed their session that there was a joke at the end such as praying to the potato god <laughs> and having a heart attack mid-session all, all of which has happened, by the way, in our in our campaigns. <laughs> Maybe the heart attack in game, not actual life, like real life. Wait, we will be actually panicking at that point, but we were still panicking during as well. I actually have a rather fragile heart, Kinnett, so I hope not. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if if I had to give an answer to that as well, I think dungeon mastering is. It's like the ultimate creative exercise, right? Yeah. Because it literally requires you to improvise crap on the spot. Uh, a secret kind of going into this session, uh, Kinnett? Uh, Rober and our friend Will went to like the uh, political building I was talking about earlier. I didn't have a name for that corrupt politician. <laughs> so I improvised like what he looked like and how he talked and what his agenda was pretty much exactly on the spot. While uh, our little pixie thief was spying on him and trying to see what was up. So, yeah, it's just, it stretches your brain out in a way. And it's just so ultimately satisfying because, like you were talking about, it's just such a nice thing to do for people. You invite them into their imaginations for a little while and you just forget about your worries. And it's nice. Yeah, very nice indeed. Well... I can't think of much else to say, cannot. So, I guess I want to thank you for coming out here. Um, I'll see you for session on Friday. Yeah, I'll see you on session on Friday. Hopefully, maybe this time I could get more onto the annihilating NPC side of things. Oh, don't worry. I I have plans for it to be more combat oriented. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, anyways, man, thank you. Yep, thank you very much for inviting me. Yep. So. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of Beginner's Basics to Dungeons and Dragons. I have been Evan Kaufman. I have been your Dungeon Master. These have been your Beginner's Basics to Dungeons and Dragons, and you are welcome. Scene. Ah! Alright, testing. One, two, three. Testing. Testing. Uh, testing. One, two, three. I'm gonna dropkick God again.